I'm going to start today's show with a big shout out to our friends in Buford, Georgia. Thanks, Honor Athletics, for being our sponsor. Landon, how can we get in touch with them? Call for personal service at 770-945-5150. You can also order all your karate needs and more online at honorathletics.com. And hey guys, don't forget to use the code WILDCATDOJO as you're checking out for your 10% discount. As always, thanks Honor Athletics. I second that emotion. I second it. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wildcat Dojo Conversations. I can't believe I almost forgot the name of our podcast. <laughs> Sensei Michelle says hi again. Sensei Jackie says hi. Glad you're here. And Landon is saying hi. So this is our first time trying a remote recording. So if it comes out differently, please be gentle in your criticism, because we are giving it a shot. We're using Zencaster. Thank you, Zencaster. And we'll let you know how that works from our end. Okay. Today, our subject is female warriors. And I do want to give a big shout out to Sensei Jerry for asking me to look into this. She was supposed to be here today, but couldn't make it. And we will do another podcast, at least one more on female karate people. So we hope to get you here for that one, Sensei Jerry. But in the meantime... Enjoy this show. Now, I used my traditions book and some Google searches to find out this information. Do you know what your sources were, Landon? Uh, sensei, I used allthatsinteresting.com. Nice. That sounds interesting, but don't go wrong. <laughs> I did find this great article in Ancient Origins called Nine Female Warriors Who Made Their Mark on History. You can look it up, guys. They ranged from Joan of Arc to this very cool woman that I'm going to come back to. And there are a few I'm going to come back to. And this lady's name was Artemisia. And I'm going to say she was from Karia. Okay. And then these two Japanese warriors that I'm going to talk about today. One of them, the oldest of the two, I'm going to say her name is spelled T-O-M-O-E. So I'm going to say Tomoe. Tomoe. Last name Gozen. And we're going to start with her. Tomoe lived from 1157 to 1247, so 90 years, a long time back in the day. And I am going to start by saying that although this warrior is very revered to this day, some people think that she is fictional. That is so interesting. It Ooh. is argued. Nevertheless, here's what I found. She was a 12th century warrior, an Una Bugesha, and I believe you have some stuff on that, Landon. I do, Sensei, and Una Bugesha literally translates to woman warrior. And she was known for her bravery. She served Minamoto in the Benpai War and was part of the conflict that led to the first shogunate of Japan. Hmm. It was really not unusual for women to receive martial arts training in feudal Japan. From the 12th to the 19th century, women of the samurai class were trained in sword, Naginata, and bow and arrow, so that they could defend the family and the property in case of attack. Obviously, today, everybody can just Google the word. Naginata is N-A-G-I-N-A-T-A, and it's a long bow-like staff with a curved, sharp blade on the end. Us. Sensei, do we use Naginata in karate? 
a lot of the females have learned it. In fact, not long ago, I saw a, a lady at one of our competitions do a beautiful form. Uh, shout out to Sensei Sherry. And Master Collegian taught me his Naginata form, which I do share regularly with people. Us. I think it would be really interesting for any of the people that have never held a Naginata to see how the balance is and to see that it's a heavy weapon. It's not just something that you can pick up and flip around, even uh, much heavier than our bows are. Oh, my goodness. Completely different. It's a very heavy weapon. And I'm going to say that it stands about a foot taller than the practitioner. It was made to fight people on horseback so that you had reach and you could reach to both the horse and the rider. Oh, and, wow. But we'll look that up when we start doing our weapons research. Okay, guys? Oh, okay. The only mention of Tomoe is a war poem about the Genpai War called The Take of the Haike. Because this is the only mention of her, it is argued that she could be fictional. But here's a quote from the poem. You want to read that for me, Sensei Jackie? Tomoe had long black hair and a fair complexion, and her face was very lovely. Moreover, she was a fearless rider whom neither the fiercest horse nor the roughest ground cold dismay, and so dexterously did she handle sword and bow that she was a match for a thousand warriors and fit to meet either god or devil. Many times had she taken the field, armed at all points and won, matchless renown in encounters with the bravest captains, and so in this last fight, the Battle of Awazu in 1184, when all the others had been slain or had fled among the last seven, their road to Moe. Which is the way the legend goes, that she was one of the last seven people on the battlefield at that last battle that she was in. Wow. Right? That's, that's a very interesting fact. The name of the battle is spelled A-W-A-Z-U. So I would say it Awazu. We really need an interpreter, don't we, guys? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> she was fighting for a soon-to-be shogun or a want-to-be shogun named Yashinaka. And the battle did not go well for him. So you can see where this is headed. Ugh. At that battle, he was fighting his cousin, and he was outnumbered, and he was eventually overtaken. As the battle was clearly going to be lost, he sent Tomoe away because it would be shameful for him to die with a woman attending him on the battlefield. Wow. So that's a reminder of the historic rhetoric around battles being only for men. Their Us. words, not mine. Us. And and really, uh, it's an argument to this day. Oh, what is old is new again? Everything is old is, is old. new again. Okay. That's right. She did concede to leave but not before beheading at least one more warrior before she left. After that, nothing is known of her whereabouts or if she had anything else to do with history, but people do speculate. Us. She's a, a wonderful story. That's true, and she supposedly preferred to use a katana, uh, which is a weapon that um, I believe we do use um, in which karate. Which is a sword. Us. But she also did use the Naginata. But in close battle, she did use the Katana. I agree. That's what my notes found as well, Landon. Yes. In those speculations, one of them is that she stayed in the battle and lost to Yashimori, which was the cousin who won that battle. Another speculation is that she might have become a nun. Or did she avenge Yoshinaka by killing his enemies 
which would have included the taking of her lord's head and walking in the sea with it, killing herself and ensuring Yoshinaka's head could not be defiled by his enemies. And so can I just say there's a little Kill Bill in there somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking. Two accounts say that she took her lord's head and walked into the sea, killing herself and ensuring, as Landon told you, that his um, head could not be defiled. But no one really knows. Either way, time has allowed her to become quite the legend, and she makes an appearance in a 15th century no-play called Tomoe. Yes. And also... And in an 18th century kabuki play called Ona Shibaraku. She's in Woodlock Prince and is even reimagined today in anime, manga, and video games. Wow, that's very interesting. I actually have some friends who are very interested in anime. So, so you, yeah, ask them if they've ever heard of a character with a name like that. Us, that's really interesting. I think so, too. I found her really fascinating. Me, too. And fun to read about. And I just want to say it does bring like this glory moment to anybody who likes to fight. But war, anyone will tell you, is a horrible, horrible reality. That is correct. Okay, are we ready to move on on that sobering thought? Sensei. All righty. The next warrior is a little later in time, and her name was Nakano Takeko. Most of this information came from the same site in Ancient Origins, but I also used a mental floss article called rejected princesses. Oh, that was, that sounds fun, doesn't it? Much better than Disney. I was just going to say rejected princesses. Totally calls up pictures of Shrek in my mind. (laughs) Now see, according to this article, Landon, and you guys should probably know, Landon is not actually with Jackie and I. So hence our whole remote thing. And the fact that we're talking to each other mid podcast here. Nakano is the only known Ona Bugesha. But that's because some people believe the other one was fictional. A sensei. Unlike Tomoe, there is proof that she existed and that she was a ruthless fighter. About what time did she live, sensei? Well, she fought in the Bushin War, 1868 and 1869. Oh. Yes. So she's fairly modern. I don't have her birth dates and death dates in front of me, um, Landon. Do you? Uh, So she was born in 1847 in Edo, Japan, and she died in 1868 in Japan. Right, because I think she died in this battle that I'm talking about. Okay. So she was educated in literary and martial arts, and she distinguished herself in the war that I mentioned, the Boshin War. In the Battle of Aizu, in the fall of 1868, she led a female unit into battle. Oh, a whole unit. The unit wasn't recognized as part of the army right away, but was later named the Jashitai, which translates to women's army. She did carry a naginata. A sensei. And it kept her safe from many battles. But in the end, she was shot. Wow. Oh, gunpowder. Because one of the traditions was taking heads as trophies, she asked her sister to cut off her head and bury it, which her sister did. Wow. And one very, very interesting fact is that not only were they Una Bugisha, but they were also they could also be Una Musha, which is a woman who is part of the action on the battlefield um, rather than being on defense at home. Which the women were famous for. Yes. The women of the samurai class were trained to defend the home front when the men weren't there. And didn't they carry a special knife at all times, Landon? 
us, they did. Um, at all times, they did carry something called a caiken. K-A-I-K-E-N. This is just totally in my head that I feel that that's very similar to what we in our style call a tanto, which is the smallest of the weapons in the samurai units. And when I saw pictures of the Kakens, they are like a tanto, but supposedly they have uh, no decoration on their handles. They're very sleek and you can buy them today. I, I saw one for $245, which I thought was a lot of money. Wow. Yes. Plus, I did see that about the the Tonto. All right. What else you got over there that you want to share with us? Okay. Well, after the sister Yuko cut off her head, the sister Yuko escaped to a nearby temple with the head. And her sister's Naginata was also donated to that temple. The head is buried near Holaiji Temple. There is a well-visited monument to her nearby. And it is very visited to this day, that that monument. At first, I was thinking that it was unusual to bury a head. But then I remembered that I had seen that in the British fights, the heart was cut out and it was buried at one place near where the person was born, but the body could be buried somewhere else. And there was always a monument to the heart at that temple. So I guess it was similar. That is something. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Do you have anything to add before we close up? Uh, so one interesting thing that I heard about Nakano Takiko um, was that she was known as the samurai who refused to die quietly, Oh, which is very, very interesting uh, title to have. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And we're going to keep it. What a great way to go out, Landon. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that is perfect. Before we close this out, I'm going to just give you a, a little bit of a tickle on some interesting women warriors that were mentioned in the article that we're going to come back to. There is one Vietnamese lady who they did not name also from the 1200s. I'm going to do some research on that. There's this great Celtic warrior um, named Bodica. Oh. And a Native American named Lozen. And a pirate, which this is totally fun for me, named Grace O'Malley. All right. (laughs) Does that sound great or what? Oh, it sounds fabulous. And just so you don't think I've gone completely crazy only on female history, we have samurai history right around the corner, Funakoshi right around the corner, and Musashi right around the corner. Okay. Yes. yes. Anyway, going back to those female warriors, we know they're not specifically karate related, but they sound way too interesting and too much fun not to investigate. And I'll bet there's some symmetry in female warriors from all times. Warriors. Yes. That's right. Soon we'll talk about the code of the samurai, but one of the things that Master Collegian taught us and one of the things that I read when I was doing this research is every set of people who ever battled had a code by which they lived. From the very, very ancient times that we can investigate, everybody had it. What an honorable thing. And really? Honor, mm-hmm, and honor being one of the characteristics that runs throughout. And loyalty as well. And dedication to family. These are things that run throughout all of the uh, different codes. Very cool. Us, I can't wait for more. Okay, Landon, tell them how to get in touch with us to, to fix our Japanese, among other wonderful <laughs> <laughs> Sensei. You can get in touch many ways by emailing us at dojoconversations at aol.com. You can visit us on Facebook at Wildcat Dojo on our website at wildcatdojo.com. And you can leave us a phone voicemail at 
1915. Today, instead of trying to get you to do something for us, I'm going to remind you that you can go on Amazon and look up books written by my teacher, Master Joe Collegian. Collegian is spelled K-E-L-L-J-C-H-I-A-N. And I don't know all the books that he has on Amazon, but he's definitely written almost a half a dozen published manuscripts. You'll find anything from chokes to philosophical ideas. Us. And the reason that it reminded me today to do it is because he is known as American Bushido, Bushi being warrior and Doe being way. So it's kind of connected, even though, you know, he most certainly was not a girl. <laughs> he was not an owner. No, geisha. no, he was not. But he was American Bushido. But he definitely was. Yes, sensei. We have a couple extra minutes today, so I'm going to add some listener mail. From an old student named Wendy. Well, she's not old. And she was younger when we knew her. Up in the northeast of the United States, she writes to us, More history, please. Also, it was fun hearing from you and Sensei Jackie again after all these years. Thanks, Wendy. And from our student, Paul, we have listened to the podcast a few times. I thought it was excellent, truly excellent. Zen for me is like looking up at the sun on a beautiful day. You see nothing. You hear nothing but the intense feeling of calm that overwhelms the moment. And just like that, a cloud covers the sun. And simply, you appreciated that moment of Zen. Please keep the podcast going. They're amazing. Thank you, Sensei Michelle and Sensei Jackie. Thank you, us. Finding Zen moments are far and few. You both made such an impact on our lives. So, of course, I want to thank everybody who sends in listener mail. Please get in touch with us in any of the ways you want. Landon tells you how, so you already know how. All right. We should pretty much give it a call. So you want to start out the goodbye, Sensei Jackie? Goodbye, and can't wait to see you again soon. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we can't wait for your feedback. That is so true. Thanks for saying that, Landon. And I'm going to say thanks for tuning in, and we will. you will hear from us next week, if not sooner. Who are you going to call for all your karate needs? Honor Athletics, of course. 770-945-5150, honorathletics.com. I'm signing out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.